He makes his messengers winds and his ministers a flaming fire. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. I love this passage that we read out of Job. I love it because it begins with the words, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. The Lord answered. Just yesterday, my wife and I and my two children had the fun pleasure of doing one of those autumn traditions, which is go to a corn maze. Um, and we've been to a couple corn mazes here in Central Florida, and some are actually really easy to do. You can finish it in like 10, 15 minutes. So we thought this would be a great idea to, to do it in about 10 to 15 minutes. We went in the entrance. After 20 minutes of meandering about, we made it to the exit. And as we stepped out, we looked back and it said, entrance. So we were so proud of our exploits that uh, we decided we'd try that again. We did it about three more times, but uh, the second time in, I was with my 22-month-old, my, uh, we decided she's getting a bit cranky, it's a bit warm outside, I'm going to take her home, she'll have her little nap, and my wife, always the completer finisher of any task, uh, did the next 50 minutes and finally finished that maze. But why do I tell that story? Wouldn't it have just been easier to find a map or someone to give us directions as how to get through the maze? Wouldn't life be so much easier if you and I had directions as how to make life a triumph? I mean, I went in there and I turned on my little GPS watch and, and it, it even gave me a little map. And then I noticed that as I started wandering back on the map again and again and again, I was probably lost. Job is an amazing story of a man who um, is, is in the ancient Near East. It's probably the oldest book in the Bible, simply because some of the language that it uses is, is not even Hebrew. It's, it's actually Akkadian. Um, so it's dealing with the oldest question in, in the world, if you will. If God is good, why, when we look at the world, do we see so much chaos, destruction? If God is good, why is there bad in this world? But how do we get a roadmap for life? And Job tells us five things. Yes, I have a five-point sermon, but I will try to be done within the allotted time. Um, I know we're Episcopalian, but I'm going to give you five uh, points. God speaks to Job through creation. God speaks to Job through Christians. God speaks to Job through conscience. God speaks to Job through canon, the canon of Scripture. And God speaks to Job primarily through Christ, okay? So I'm going to try to do all my five points and still get you out in time to see your college football games. So creation. What I love about chapter 38 is the fact that, that God's having this conversation with Job. Job has lost his whole family. He's lost all of his possessions. He's lost his health. And in this, it says that in all of this, Job did not sin by accusing God of wrongdoing. God God is speaking to Job. Job is in his pain and suffering. C.S. Lewis says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in the megaphone of pain. And Job is wondering, why in the world is, is, can I make any sense of this? And God says, look at creation. I want to speak to you through creation. This week, the Lord wants to speak to you through creation. And sometime during this week, you will either see a sunset, you may see an ant, you may see something in the created order that is God speaking to you. He will do that this week. That's just his nature. 
Um, one, of the, one of the things that I love about John's gospel, the intro to it says that in the beginning was the Word. And I remember when I was talking to my, my now 11-year-old daughter when she was three, I said, you know what one of the names for, for Jesus is? He's the chatterbox. He's the Word. He's always talking, but are you listening? God speaks to us through creation. The psalmist says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament His handiwork. God wants to speak to you through creation. The second thing that we see is that God speaks to us through Christians. What do I mean by that? And, and I, I use the word Christian because it starts with a C and it's easy for you to understand. But God actually, guess what? He could speak through Christians and He also speaks through non-Christians. The way that... Um, that George MacDonald put it. He said, truth is truth, whether it comes off the lips of Jesus or Balaam's donkey, I think is the word he used. Maybe it was ass, but anyway. The point is, is that if he can do that, he can definitely use your brother and sister to speak to you and to give you a message. I love that. It says, he makes his messengers uh, flames of fire. The word messenger, malak, in the Old Testament is, is precisely that. The word angel is the word that we use in the New Testament. It's messenger. God wants to communicate to you through Christians, through other brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes you will just have someone, they will lay a hand on, on your shoulder or just give you a hug or say, I am so sorry for your loss. Or say, that was really well done today. Or you may even have that brother and sister say, you know what, that was a bit unkind. You probably shouldn't have said that, Peter. Why did you cut that guy off in traffic? But God will speak through other Christians. The third way that God speaks to us is through conscience. And you see, here's the thing. Conscience comes from two, two very simple words in, in our English language. It comes to us from Latin, conscientia, with knowledge. And I remember in 1996 when I was learning how to program Ada and C++, the, the, I've since ditched that. I discovered it wasn't my gifting. Um, but I discovered that if you program something and you put bad code in, you're going to get, a, if you get bad, do bad input, you're going to get bad output. The whole point of that is that your conscience will always be your guide according to Walt Disney. Isn't that what Jiminy Cricket said? Always let your conscience be your guide. Well, if you fill your mind with good knowledge, you'll make good decisions. If you fill your mind with bad knowledge, you're going to make bad decisions. The Apostle Paul tells us in three different locations, he says, you can sear your conscience, you can harden your conscience, or you can um, have a wounded conscience or a weak conscience. So the whole point that, that Paul says is everyone has a conscience. God wants to speak to you through your conscience. But if you have a well-trained conscience, you will hear God's voice well. If you have a poorly trained conscience, you will not hear God so clearly. Do not always let your conscience be your guide unless it's a well-trained conscience. But see, here's the thing is that, that it's easy for Job to get lost in his head, in his own mind with his conscience, but God's creation is speaking to him and his friends are speaking to him. The interesting thing about God speaking to Job through his friends is that he's got the first 30-some chapters of friends speaking to him that are not being that, they're not really speaking words of life into his, in, into his, into his state. Um, you see, his friends are what we would call Job's comforters. They're people who are saying, look, Job, you are suffering in life because, some, because of some unconfessed gross sin. And then 
in chapter 32, a mysterious figure appears by the name of Elihu. And Elihu is a friend who speaks life into Job's story from chapters 32 to 37. He says, look, this is not deserved pain and suffering that you're going through. It's, It's undeserved. But God is still good in the midst of this. He still loves you. He still has a plan and purpose for your life. And God wants to surround all of us with friends that can speak that into our lives. And if you don't, pray and ask the Lord to to bring someone to your life that can do that. David had a Jonathan. James had a John. I mean, we saw that it didn't always work that well for him in our gospel reading for today. But everyone has friends that can speak life into them. The fourth way that, that the Lord speaks to us is through canon. You see, St. Augustine said that, that there is a book, there is a book of nature, if you will, and if you come see the Faustus play in a, few de- in a few weeks, you will see that the book of nature is actually spoken of. Uh, Faustus wants to repent, and he asks for this knowledge from Mephistopheles, and Mephistopheles uh, gives him book after book of knowledge. But lastly, when he asks for, for this, this knowledge of creation itself, Mephistopheles actually appeals to what St. Augustine says is the book of nature. In the City of God, book uh, 16, this is what uh, Augustine says. Some people, in order to discover God, read books. But there is a great book, the very appearance of created things. Look above you. Look below you. Note it. Read it. God, whom you want to discover, never wrote that book with ink. Instead, he set before your eyes the things that he had made. Can you ask for a louder voice than that? Why heaven and earth shout to you, God made me. You see, creation tells you that there's a creator. But what Karl Barth tells us is that there's two things that creation cannot do for you. Creation cannot tell you two things about God. One, that He is Trinity, and two, that He is crucified. The only way that you and I can ever know that God is Trinity and that He is crucified is through God breaking in. And that's what our collects said today, right? Almighty God, thank you that in Christ you revealed your glory to the world. God speaks to us through the canon of Scripture. St. Augustine said, the Bible but speaks of God's love for us. Read it well. Learn, mark, and inwardly digest this book. God wants to speak to you through His Word. Read it, not just as as a manual or a map to get through a a corn maze of life, but as an actual love letter. But finally, and most significantly, God speaks to Job, not just through through words in a book or on a cuneiform tablet. God doesn't just speak to Job through his conscience or through friends or Christians. God doesn't just speak to Job through creation. God speaks to Job through Christ Christ himself. We read the story of James and John, where James and John approach Jesus and they say, can we sit at your your right hand? Can we have the place of honor? And Jesus says, 
Can you be baptized with the baptism with, with which I will be baptized? For I tell you that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God speaks to us preeminently through Christ. We read in Hebrews chapter 5 about Christ being our great priest. One of the great themes of the book of Hebrews starts in chapter 1. It says, God spoke to our ancestors at different times at different places through the prophets, through the scriptures. But now in these last days, he has spoken to us in Christ. And then it goes on to say that Christ We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us, but he was like us in every way. We're given this picture of an omnipotent God in Job, this omniscient God in Job, and yet I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He's not just omniscient. He's been made even more omniscient. You see, it says he was tried and tempted like us in every way. Martin Scorsese in his film, which received a lot of opprobrium called The Last Temptation of Jesus Christ, some called it blasphemous, Um, and it was. However, it did hit on a doctrine that many of us take for granted, that Jesus Christ was tempted like us in every way. He was fully God and fully man. That means that he experienced the vast some of the human experience of temptation. He grew up as a child. He lived a life as a carpenter. And yes, he was a Middle Eastern man. He experienced prejudice with the Romans. He also probably experienced lust, yet sinned not. He redeems all of our humanity. I have a friend who recently um, inherited his father's roofing business. And he'd seen his father doing this roofing business for 40 years, running many crews and roofing uh, houses throughout the Central Florida area. And he thought to himself, now this means I will get to do lots of lunches and charge the expense account. And well, that's not what he was thinking, but it's part of what I'm sure he he was thinking. But then he discovered, actually, there I am running crews. I'm up on the roofs nailing down shingles. I am giving quotes. I'm there working with my crews. Jesus Christ inherits the kingdom from his Father, but he's made even more perfect. The word perfect in Greek doesn't mean that he was imperfect. The word there for Greek means that he was made whole. He has this experience that no other being in this universe has. He knows what it is to be God, and he knows what it is to be a human being. Jesus Christ can speak to you and I in a message, in a way, and communicate God's plan for us, how to get through the corn maze of life, because only he has wounds that can speak to our wounds. He is the real Job if you will. You see, Job, we sometimes see him as the, as the innocent sufferer, but we all know that, that Job isn't always innocent. He, he gets frustrated with God. He, 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 he has his doubts. He has his anger. He has his moments. 
And yet it says that Jesus was like us in every way, yet sinned not. He is the innocent sufferer who says, with great cries and supplications, as Hebrews 5 tells us, he offered prayers and therefore was able to be our great high priest. Father, we thank you that you speak to us in our pleasures. You whisper to us, but you speak and, and speak loudly to us in our pain through the wounds of Christ. So this week as we look at creation, this week as we look at our conscience, this week as we look at our friends and neighbors, this week as we, as we look at your scriptures, and as we supremely look at Christ, would you speak to us only the way that you can. Amen.